Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode three of The Morning Nomad. I'm currently in, well, I'm just north of Phoenix, kind of near Lake Pleasant, and I'm at this BLM spot that, well, technically it's state trust land out here in Arizona. This really nice BLM spot, and it's not totally like the areas that I usually stay at. There's a lot more people. It's a little bit more congested. Um, a little less wild, but it's still a really amazing place that offers pretty great boondocking. So if you watched Sunday's vlog, those were the last few days in the desert, and now I'm heading to the Midwest, and I'm really excited about it. Anyway, what I'm hoping to do for this podcast episode is actually dedicate it all to a single topic that I get asked about almost daily, weekly. It's, it's, it's one of the top questions. And that would be essentially my journey to becoming a full-time YouTuber and being able to sustain myself financially on the road by creating content. My experience with myself following other creators when I first started this whole thing was looking at these people with a large following or being able just to to make videos and live off of that I, I quite honestly thought it was pretty impossible I thought oh man they you know must have already started with a lot of money or they must have gone to school for filmmaking and videography they must have this really fancy equipment that I could never actually get my hands on and there were a lot of those strange limiting beliefs that really were rooted in, in a pretty intense lack of knowledge. <laughs> so my thought for today, rather than just sitting down and being like, oh, this is what I do and this is how I do it and these are the things that I use, I thought that it would be much more helpful to start at the very beginning of this whole timeline of me getting to where I'm at. Because I think it's important to see that it's not super linear. <laughs> There were a lot of, you know, quote-unquote failures or things that didn't work out. And this has been definitely a process of slowly gaining knowledge and gaining more gear and learning about what's best. So I thought that this could be a really great opportunity and maybe even an inspiration piece for those people that like to comment or DM me saying, I don't know where to start. I don't know if I can do this. You're living my dream life. So let's dive right in. I guess it all began early college. I mentioned in last week's podcast, somebody had asked me when I knew I wanted to live in a van and I had come across Brianna Madia's Instagram and that I followed her throughout the last, you know, 10 years or so, nine years or so. And she's been a very huge inspiration for me. I've pre-ordered her book very anxiously waiting for it to come in. I'm planning on doing nothing else when I get her book. I will be sitting down and I will be reading it. And that is it. <laughs> so really, she was the one that planted the seed of, of living kind of an alternative lifestyle. And when I had come across her, her Instagram page, I started thinking, okay, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out what I can do to make money to, to live not in a house and not in one area. I just wanted to travel. The first thing I tried when I was in college, I started creating a blog and it was called Linnea Travels. 
and I didn't know anything about starting a website. I didn't know anything about marketing, about channeling people to your information or your pages or anything like that. had no idea how ads worked. I didn't know about consistency with content, nothing. I, I knew nothing. I thought maybe if I made a website, people would end up finding it. <laughs> so I made a website and it was called Linnea Travels and I kind of started writing for that, but it, it was not, it wasn't going to work. <laughs> I, I, I was in college, I wasn't really even traveling. Anyway, it was a really beautiful first learning experience and I think all of us need a few of those and I have more, so we'll get into that. When I was a junior in college, the want for something different, for being closer to nature and living a little bit more non-traditionally, that feeling's definitely intensified. And that brought me to graduating school early, which was a really tough decision because I had a scholarship for basketball and I decided to leave that behind and graduate early and move out west. Now, I think that that kind of brings forward some feelings that people often ask me about as far as like fear of judgment and um, how you just like make decisions and go for it. And man, that one was really hard. Like my identity was basketball and I was choosing to kick that to the curb. Now Noah and his then girlfriend, they were out in Utah working for a wilderness therapy company. And so I traveled out to Utah for the internship one summer. And so this was my way to create more time to travel in my life. The wilderness therapy company that I worked for, it was Evoke at Entrada. We worked eight days on, six days off. And so, you know, you're, you're on 100% time when you're in the field with these teenagers or young adults and a team of other people, and you are in the desert, you are teaching them different survival skills, different communication styles, you're facilitating therapy, you're keeping them safe, like you're very on during that time. You don't go home, you know, you're sleeping out there the whole deal for eight days, Tuesday to Tuesday. And then you get six days off, which is incredible. Six days off is so nice, not to mention I was very attracted to the idea of, okay, so when I take a shift off, because our shifts were rigid, you know, there was a blue shift and a green shift that would alternate. Because those shifts were rigid, if I take one of my shifts off, I get my normal six days on both ends of that off as well, because those, those would be my non-working days anyway. And man, the idea of being able to travel for you know, two to three weeks when just like, I'm just taking a shift off. That was awesome to me. So I worked out in the field for about three years <clears throat> as a field instructor for wilderness therapy. I loved that job so much. I learned a ton about myself. I spent countless nights in the backcountry throughout summer, throughout winter, snow, super hot weather. Um, it was it was incredible and I learned so much about my own communication styles I learned how to better communicate with other people how to provide feedback I learned about my own cycles of 
so much, my own cycles of, of grief and anxiety and how I can deal with them. I mean, of course, we're doing this therapy for the, for the kids, for the adolescents and young adults. But when you're facilitating that much therapy and you're living in that environment, you are you are learning about yourself too and you're needing to deal with scary situations and you're dealing with hard things and there's a lot of physical and mental and emotional challenges in that job which as we all know feeling challenged and feeling discomfort is one of the best ways to grow as a human all right i'm gonna stop my spiel about wilderness therapy to end this i will say that when I tell people about wilderness therapy, I tell them it was the best job I ever had and I will never do it again. <laughs> As I'm deciding, okay, I think my time is, you know, coming to a close in the field. I need to figure something out. And one of the things that I tried during that time before I actually left that job was um, jewelry. So, I used to make wrapped wooden rings that were very, they're so beautiful and unique. And, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to sell these. This is going to be what I can do. And I'm going to do this on the road. Like I'll be able to make this jewelry on the road. I can sell it online. And also I can go to like markets. I, you know, started putting things on Etsy and it, it, it happened kind of. Um, I did start making money on the rings. I went to my first market in Sedona and set up this little table and I ended up making almost two grand just in that weekend. It was so cool. A quick little story about that market. So I showed up there. This was the first time that I ever did anything like this. So I just have this very simple table, tablecloth. I had like a little sign, you know, and a nice little display for the rings that I had made. And this woman came up next to me and she she, this is like what she does for, for a living. Most of the people that I met at that market in Sedona, that's all they do. They travel around in their camper or trailer and they just travel around to markets and go on the weekends and then, and then that's how they make their money for their entire year. That's like their full-time income. So at that point I thought, okay, maybe this is my thing. You know, people love this wooden jewelry. It's really unique, really catches the eye. Anyway, this woman pulls up next to me She's been doing this for like 13 years. And she's like, oh, honey, I'll take you right under my wing. Like, you have nothing to worry about. She gives me, she literally gives me an easy up tent. Those are expensive tents. She's like, here, you take this, use this for your markets. She gives me an easy up tent. She's telling me all these tips and tricks. And then she, at some point, wanders over and she's like, hey, do you want a weed brownie? <laughs> I was like, sure. <laughs> she's like, okay, I think it is hilarious because she came over and offered me that. And she's like, you're going to come over and see almost all of the other vendors come over and pay me a few bucks. This is just what we do. We take care of each other. They know that when I show up, they just come over and give me a few bucks and they get a, they get a weed brownie. And it was the funniest thing. We had the most fun at that market. And yeah, I, I learned a lot from that. And, and another thing that I learned about that little that little phase of figuring out how to make money on the road was that what I had decided to do was an incredible amount of work. I would spend so many hours on one ring and only sell it for about $200, which might sound really expensive, but truly the payoff wasn't worth it. So I quickly found out that that wasn't really the best bang for my buck. It didn't, um, it wasn't a sustainable thing for me. 
If I had made something that wasn't as like time intensive, then totally markets would have been amazing and I would have loved it because it is so fun to be around that environment and to meet the vendors and yeah, that was so fun, but just not for me. Throughout kind of these different trial periods of making money remotely, I would continuously kind of go back to my blog because I do like to write and people generally enjoy reading my my writing. So, you know, I, I think I had at that point, it was still Linnea Travels or maybe it had been Linnea and Aquila because I think I got an Aquila kind of recently. So I would go back and kind of update my, my blog and, and work on that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I still was so unsure about how to actually do anything. The last year of me working in the field, I used that time as a kind of a rushed time to try a, a few different things. I had tried to apply to many different like remote writing gigs like on Upwork and I did search different seasonal jobs but that wasn't really an option. Um, I mean it was an option but I was also in a relationship at this time and bouncing around and doing a bunch of seasonal jobs. I think that if that's not something that your partner is also interested in, that's, you know, not the best idea for the relationship. So that one wasn't really at the forefront of my mind. If I wasn't doing YouTube creation now, I would, I would work seasonally. I'm going to put a plug in here for vagajobs.com. If you're somebody that wants to do seasonal work, um, that website is just like one of the best resources that you can use go on there create a profile resume and then you can just one click apply to literally hundreds of jobs and yeah I wish that was available (laughs) years ago that would be so nice anyway I also applied for a few different remote health positions so I went to school for exercise science I'm a certified exercise physiologist through the ACSM nutrition certifications all that stuff And so I had the qualifications to be a remote health coach, but nothing really panned out with that. I also didn't have much experience doing anything like that because I was in the field working with adolescents and young adults (laughs) in therapy. There was just a lot of trial, you know, a lot of a lot of trial, a lot of quote unquote failure. But really, it was me figuring out what I enjoyed, what I didn't enjoy, the different situations that I would want to be in. And eventually, I think that I was exhausted in the way of, I didn't just want a gig. Like, I didn't just want to work for markets. I guess I'm not saying that that's a gig because that can be a very lucrative full-time thing. Um, I didn't just want to be writing for other people. When I would have interviews for more traditional positions, I just always had a a gross feeling in my stomach because I don't want to work for other people. I've never wanted to work for other people. I hate being told what to do. And and so I, I just realized like, okay, I'm sick of gigs and applying for gigs. I'm sick of just trying to make ends meet. I need to go all in with something. So the thing that got me out of the field, that got me finished with wilderness therapy was um, I decided to start coaching at a CrossFit gym and then they um, also took me on as a personal trainer. So, you know, there was just a lot of freedom within that as well. So I was able to work as a personal trainer, coach CrossFit while figuring out what it was that I actually wanted to do so that I could work remotely. 
eventually I decided to hire a business coach and holy cow, this was a tough decision because I did not have much money. So when I hired my business coach, I, and I, he's not my coach anymore. I had him just for like four months. He was a coach that was dedicated to fitness professionals moving their business to a completely remote online system. And when I found him, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like, this is exactly what I want to do. I can have clients from wherever. I can work wherever as long as I have service. And um, this will be perfect. So I hired him. I borrowed money from my mom. I also put some of it on a credit card. And then I also used PayPal credit. I was broke. But I think that when you're in that situation, especially financially, or at least for me, I spent a lot of money on that coach. And because I spent that money and I was 100% in, there was no way that I would be unsuccessful. There was no way that I wasn't going to listen to every single thing that he said because I wanted to, I wanted to, to get that money back, (laughs) you know? And that was very difficult in many different ways, but also the one of the best decisions that I made. A lot of that process of building that online fitness business, I, I needed to be very present on social media in a very specific way. And I told myself, like I mentioned earlier, that I was going to listen to every, every single thing that my business coach told me to do. And some of it I thought was cheesy. I thought some of it was stupid. I thought that some of it was overkill. I didn't want to do a lot of the social media aspects of it, a lot of the outreach parts, but I did it and it worked. And the thing that I want to mention with this is, man, I know that a lot of the people watching me thought I was silly or stupid or that they were judging me. I went all in and I and I know that there is judgment behind it, but oftentimes that's just what needs to happen. People, what is the saying? People think you're crazy until you're successful or something like that. And I truly think that that applied in that in that case because I was really putting myself out there on social media. Everything was very fitness focused as it needed to be because that was my business and um, it worked and I started gaining clients and making money and building that business and I worked my absolute butt off super long days. So that is what allowed me to save up some money to put a down payment on a van. <laughs> And before I got the van, after I had made the decision, like, okay, I'm going to get a van. Quick little side note here. I think that gigs are a really wonderful thing to do on the road and you can continuously find new gigs to fund your life. Absolutely. I just simply didn't really want to continue to do that or, or work to do that. What I wanted was to have a very solid stream of income because this wasn't a trial thing. Like me getting into van life and me living on the road, I knew that it wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm just going to try it out for a year. Going into it, this was going to be my life. This was, this was my decision. This is how I want to live. And so I want a permanent stream of income to parallel my permanent lifestyle decision. When I made that decision, like, okay, I'm going to start looking for a van. I also made the decision, hey, I'm going to put this up on YouTube. I don't know that there are many females that are going to build out a van and I'll just throw my story up on YouTube and and I'll do the build because that'll be fun. This wasn't really thought out. 
Like, there was no expectation for YouTube. I didn't think that this was going to turn into what it what it is. I wasn't planning on vlogging ever. I, I was only going to do my build because I thought it'd be a really cool thing to document and <clears throat> to kind of help help other people with because my my goal going into it was to show all the things that I did wrong and to show that really you don't have to know what you're doing to create your 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 life you know because I think one of the things that really irks me is when people show up online like they just have it all together they know everything that they are professionals at x y and z when I think most of the time people aren't and I really resonate with the type of people that are like, I don't know what I'm doing. None of us know what we're doing. We're just trying shit out and seeing what sticks. And that's exactly how I live my life. Anyway, I made the decision to put stuff on YouTube and I was like, well, I need a little camera. So I looked up, I literally YouTubed what's the best vlogging camera for beginners. I found this blog post that Eamon and Beck did years ago where they went through their camera setup and I got the same camera that they started with. It was a little like gx mark ii or gx g7x mark ii something like that little cute canon vlogging camera i got it off the refurbished site i set that little camera up when i got it filmed a little intro video of like hey i'm moving into a van akila and i are gonna do all this stuff downloaded adobe premiere pro learned how to trim my little pieces of video together learned how to upload it the simplest video ever but you got to start somewhere and that was the start of my YouTube journey I decided for my own consistency sake to keep things moving with the van build and to make sure that I followed through with what I wanted to do I um, decided that every weekend I'd put a video up uh, about the project that I did that week throughout the build and throughout filming and editing and uploading I was still taking on clients and working, so I was taking on clients, working with them while also doing the build, while also filming and editing and uploading. It was a lot. I, I was very used to that, that very intense working lifestyle, and I loved it. And it also really wore me out, but I did love it. Fast forward a little bit, I, so like I said, I did not expect YouTube to do what it did. I, I, my plan was only to have the, the, um, build up on YouTube and I wasn't going to continue filming, but people loved it and it escalated. Yeah. After the build, you know, people were like, well, now we want to see your life. We want to see you living in this, in this van. And, and I thought, okay, well, let's just try this out and see where it goes. And if I like it, I'll keep doing it. And if I don't, then I won't. And obviously I liked it. I love what I do. I never saw myself as a YouTuber. I never thought that I would get into videography. Like I don't even, I, I don't even consider this videography. I, I just, I don't know. It's just so weird thinking about the fact that I put myself on YouTube. I mean, it's not weird. It's just, I never thought that I'd be doing this in my entire life. There was never even, I was never, I didn't even know you could make money on YouTube until I started the van build. I knew nothing. <laughs> One of the reasons why I think that it worked was because I didn't have any expectations around it. I just filmed and put videos together and threw them up onto YouTube. I didn't expect or really want anything from it. And I think that 
having less expectation made me so much more relaxed in what I was doing. I wasn't uptight about what my videos looked like or how they were put together. I just wanted them up on YouTube and then to move on to the next project. I think another reason why it worked was because um, I was very consistent. It was a way for me to stay on top of all the projects for the van was to plan out, you know, each video and film e each project each week. So I told myself I was going to get a video out each week. And so I had to build, I had to keep going with my projects. I think one of the, the last things that I'll mention about, about why, why I think it, it worked for me in this way was that I, I don't watch other creators on YouTube. Some of the people that I will occasionally check in with, I'll occasionally check in with Eamon and Beck, and I'll occasionally um, check in with Elsa Ray and Baron, which now they have their podcast, so that's pretty cool that I can just kind of listen in every once in a while to things that they're discussing. Because I'm not really watching other creators, I, I only follow people that I've met on the road or, or are interested in because of the information that they're sharing or whatever it may be. There's very, very little of me comparing myself or my YouTube videos to other people because I genuinely don't know what other people are creating. I think that that really allows me to create from a clean slate and to not worry about how people could be comparing me to other creators. Then I'm not comparing myself to them and how they're doing their vlogs or if they're better or worse because it truly doesn't matter. My throat is getting dry. I'm not used to talking this much. So as I started learning more about YouTube and the consistency of me posting once a week was very helpful, as well as repurposing my content for other platforms, I would post stuff over on Instagram. And then I also started using TikTok, which was really great way to grow and kind of put myself out there. Um, I started learning about Amazon affiliates as well. And that was great because during my van build, I would just link all of the products that I used and then I would get some commissions off of that. So that added a little bit of money. And keep in mind throughout the build, I was not monetized. So once I met the monetization guidelines or rules or whatever through YouTube, then they start placing ads on your videos and then you start making a little bit of money. <laughs> so I was making a little bit of money with YouTube ads. I was making some with my Amazon affiliates and that just slowly grew. And like I said, I think because I didn't have really any expectations for it, I wasn't pushing super hard for that at that time. It, it allowed me to just stay really relaxed and authentic and, and just get one video out a week because that was sustainable for me. Slowly my subscribers grew and the money, you know, started adding up with the more videos that I had and people would rewatch the build or, you know, buy more things off of Amazon, whatever it may be. As that grew, I started taking on less clients because some of that money was replacing, you know, what I, what I would be making taking on more clients. And I started to realize that the content creation, while there was so much work that went into it, it was much less exhausting than working one-on-one -on -one with humans. Um, it was just my own thing. I was working with myself and um, for myself rather than with and for other people who 
had a lot going on. You know, a lot of my energy was drained. I loved what I did. I loved being there for people and helping people and reminding people. And and I was essentially on call 24-7 for my clients. And it was exhausting. It was so beautiful and wonderful and I loved it. And it was exhausting. (laughs) So when I had the opportunity to take on less clients and spend more time on just a few of them, that's what I did. Eventually that happened to the point where I didn't have any clients. I started figuring out what it was like to have a sponsor, like to have somebody or a company sponsor a video. And I've always been very, very particular with the sponsors that I have and the people that I work with. I am unwilling 100% of the time to work with any product or any company that I would never actually use or that I don't use. I'm not going to sell my soul for money. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very picky with sponsors, but that was a very interesting thing to get into. And what's hard about that is that there's no rule book. There's no rule book about how much to charge and what you're worth and um, what you should create. There's just like it's 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 a it's a very strange but very cool world to get into. And I do it all myself, you know, the sponsor stuff. I I don't have an agent. I just I just communicate with them and it's been a really cool learning process. Anyway, then I started learning about other ways to create income. I'm a big believer in having multiple streams of income because often when you start your own business or you have your own Um, streams of income, they fluctuate. So when one, you know, drops in revenue, maybe the other one can, can, can take that slack, you know. That's when I created a Patreon as well for people to get a little bit more in-depth look at my life and some extra content. That's kind of where I'm at now. That brings me to today where I'm not doing my fitness business at all. I'm just fully creating content for YouTube and doing sponsored videos. I have my Patreon family, which I love so dearly. I make enough money to reinvest into my business and to reinvest into what I'm doing. I am comfortable. I also don't need much to be happy and I don't need much to to feel fulfilled, I guess, in like a financial stance. So it's better for me to stay really true to myself, stay really true to what I want to do and how I want to show up and how much I want to provide online than to give up some of that just to make more money. So yeah, I I will always be very picky with sponsors and I will always choose my well-being and my mental health over social media. There's just some things that are kind of non-negotiables for me when doing this and I think that that also means that I'm making less money than I could or I have less followers than I could and I'm really okay with that. The The slow growth and the long game of sustainability is much more important to me. So that is where I'm at right now. That kind of brings me through that entire journey of how I've gotten here and I'm hoping that that can give people some insight into kind of the possibilities that there are and the the, the true ups and downs of figuring it all out. Well, that is, that is, that is the story. That is how I became, uh, I guess, a full-time YouTuber. I think that there's also a misconception that you have to have a whole lot of followers or subscribers on social media to be successful, and that is not the case. 
so get that out of your brain. If this is something that you guys want to try, if you want to work on creating content or be more active on social media, I, I just think that you should do it. Try your very best to not worry about what people are thinking about you or, the re- you know, at the end of the day, people don't really care. They're on to judging the next person so quickly. Do what makes you feel really good. Do what makes you feel alive. Share if you want to. Don't if you don't want to. But there's a lot of opportunity that comes with it if it's something that you that you really want to try. I, I'm willing to talk about this more. If you have any questions relating to this topic or other questions you'd like me to answer in the future, go ahead and, and leave them in the comments of this YouTube video. I'll also be taking different questions from Instagram for next week and I'll certainly revisit this topic. But for now, there's kind of a little baseline of what my, you know, the last nine years or so looked like getting up to this point. And it's not super linear. It wasn't straightforward. It wasn't necessarily easy, but throughout the hard work, it's, it's made, it's made this time in my life very sweet because I've, I've figured out what the best option for me is, and it'll probably look different for many other people. Well, it is now much later. I, throughout this, throughout filming this podcast, I had multiple different technical difficulties, (laughs) but (laughs) this is just a really great metaphor for how life works as I'm figuring out this podcasting stuff and learning about my new little technology pieces that I have. I'm, I'm also just, um, going through the nonlinear process of, how to produce all of this and and gain success with this little piece of my life too. (laughs) So this took me about two and a half hours with all the technical difficulties and needing to switch things out and re-record. And yeah, next week the hope is for it to be much smoother. And because of these technical difficulties, when I have a very smooth recording session next Monday, I am going to be very pleased. So with that, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to finish drinking this coffee. And then I need to clean up the van and and tuck things away in their places because I'll be driving about six and a half hours today, stopping in Albuquerque and then finishing the drive to Kansas tomorrow. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Thank you for joining me this morning. And we will see you next Wednesday morning for another episode of The Morning Nomad. See you, everybody. Thank you.